All right, hey guys, thanks for coming back, listening to my podcast. I have a really special guest for you guys today, Aisha Pratt-Lear. She's an Olympian from Rio 2016. She ran for Jamaica in the 3K steeplechase. And she also last year won the Commonwealth Games 3K steeplechase. Couple of the reasons I'm bringing Aisha on. Aisha is a professional for Under Armour, so I've had the chance to meet her firsthand. A um, couple of things that appeal to me that might help you guys. Um, Aisha, I, I kind of want to tell a little story about Aisha when I first met her, and it's not. It's like it's a really cool thing and fun thing. Like Aisha is a lovely person, and one of the things I really noticed about Aisha, and I didn't even know if she did, was just her way of. I guess it was almost like complimenting people, but in a very honest way. So we're sitting, getting our face and makeup done. And, and I hear Aisha tell the makeup lady, you know, like, I love how your hair sits. It makes your face look really pretty, you know, and that's that's something that's so rare nowadays, just to speak truths, even when it's a lovely thing or an honest thing. And, and, and that was a really nice way to meet Aisha. But interestingly, as lovely as Aisha is in person, she can be very fierce on the track. And that's what it takes to win things like Commonwealth Games gold medals. Um, she has a terrific range from 1500, runs 404 for the 1500, went to World Indoors last year for um, 1500 meters. And another really cool thing that I'd love to speak to Aisha about is she trains with a world champion, Emma Coburn. And how then Aisha kind of mixes being a rival with this person but being able to be have a really close relationship with this person and use it to her advantage so the first thing i'd like to ask aisha about is um commonwealth games gold medal three things that you think contributed to you being able to win that gold medal whether it's in training or to be confident enough mentally ready three things three things First thing, to your point of training with a world champion, um, I uh, got pretty banged up, pretty hurt uh, in the prelim of world champs, but lined up kind of stupidly in hindsight, but wanted to do it for the final. And I got to watch my training partner win world championships from inside the race. Um, So I got a first-hand experience of what it takes to beat the best people in the world by training with someone who did it at the highest level day in and day out for uh, the year prior. So I'd seen it done, and I knew it was possible to take down people who have maybe better PRs on paper, but, um, you know, you see it happen. It's yeah. possible. So I get, I got to see that it was possible firsthand. Number two... Um, I was really pushing my aerobic runs and doing long, long runs, but with really tough pushes, uh, sort of like sustained 10 mile pushes within my long runs. And that's not something that a lot of people do. Um, but since I moved to Boulder, um, uh, an aggressive long run has been part of our training and we just sort of kicked it up a notch, um, And I sort of thought, you know, people don't like to do this work. This is ugly work. This isn't glamorous. This isn't crushing the track, but it needs to be done because I know my competitors are doing it. So that was a big thing in training. And then third thing was uh, mentality. When I would be doing those runs, I would be visualizing 
beating Celestine Chestpool, who at the time was the second fastest steeplechaser of all time. She ran, I think, 8.57 at Prefontaine, like coming off a water jump, stopping and putting, (laughs) readjusting her spike. And I knew she was so formidable. And I knew that um, there were other people in the race that had certainly uh, impressive chops, but I knew that she was going to be the hardest to beat. And I visualized it probably obsessively maybe too often and to the point where I would, uh, you know, speaker by name during my, during my buildup and, and in hard moments. And, um, you know, it was just like a, a full, um, body and mind, um, devotion to a singular task. And, um, you know, I just kind of threw myself into it completely, especially with the mental component of knowing that it was going to take a huge Herculean effort to beat someone who is, you know, had proven time and time and time again that she was better than me. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Seeing it happen with somebody else, uh, aerobic training and visualizing it. I think those are my three, three biggest yeah, I think that's um, that's probably something that a lot of people that'll listen to my podcast won't do. Actually, there's probably two things there, three things. It's difficult for you guys um, listening to perhaps get to study a athlete such as Emma Coburn and run with them and train with them and then get to watch them win a world. But I mean, what you can do is look up to the people perhaps in your group that are maybe a bit faster than you or talk to them and learn from them. Um, the aerobic component is, I mean, that's listening to what you're saying is that's essentially getting down and dirty and doing the training that people don't want to do that hurts you, but you know is for the greater good and maybe getting out of your comfort zone a bit is quite niche. And then I think visualization, I, I doubt very many users use visualization. I know I do. Sorry, professionals I know would, but I'm more talking like the amateur, the club runner. And I know, for example, before Houston Marathon on Sunday, I'll already walk my my way through every step of that from getting up early to racing to whatever it might throw at me. And and so I think they're all really good things. Um, one of the things you talked about there was Emma Coburn. Um, and tell me kind of, when when I think about groups of people that train together, there's like rivalries and, and competitiveness and racing each other. And, and talk to me about, from what I see on social media, you guys just look super close. And, and do you help each other? Do you work well with each other? And, and how do you think that has raised your game a bit? I think it has totally raised my game. And Emma and I have a very, what I think is unique relationship. Um, We both kind of have a unique mindset. Neither of us um, carry the belief that only one person can be successful. Instead, we think that if one person raises their game, then it raises everyone's game. And one person's success is both of our success. And we get along freakishly well, sort of better than I even expected. Um, And we sort of share similar um, sort of goals and values and and ways that we want training to go. And um, I sort of don't think, don't view it as being competitive against each other. It's more like competition together that I know that 
if Emma is doing it, I need to do it. And she knows if I'm doing it, she needs to do it. Like we push each other in a way that's really productive and not, um, it's not selfish. And, um, you know, we, we just sync really well together. We have a lot of similar strengths. Um, but we also have different strengths. Emma is remarkable at pushing sort of 5k type sessions and running fast Ks. And I can hold, hold us for a really long, steady aerobic run, um, and can push us in sprints. And so when it's the other person's strength, it's just sort of an unspoken, um, the, the other person carries, carries you through. And, uh, yeah, we just have great synergy and we have a lot of fun and we show up and it's, it's business, you know, it's, we're, we're very businesslike at training and we, we show up and we get it done. And there are times where we do a 15 mile run and we say one word to each other during the entire thing and that's it. And that's great. And sometimes we talk the whole time and that's great. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just really fun to train together. Uh, we were doing, a a long, a progression long run yesterday and hadn't really talked the whole time. And at about 10 miles, I, you know, as we're pushing each other, we don't even really need to talk about pace. We don't really need to talk about effort. We're just doing it together, pushing, you know, at the same times we've run this route multiple times and out of nowhere at 10 miles, I just turned and looked at Emma and I said, Emma, I love you. And she giggled and said, that's so nice. I love you too. I love you too. And, uh, yeah, we just work really well together and we have fun doing it. Yeah. I think that's really exciting to hear. I, 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 what I loved about that there was like the, the idea that you both recognize like each other's strengths and so maybe help each other on different days. And I wonder how many sort of groups do that or individuals that train with each other do that. And when I was a kid or like, I kind of do that with my group now in Flagstaff when we're training together, but I knew when I was a kid and growing up and if I could drop somebody in a session, that's absolutely what I wanted to do rather than like perhaps not going flat out that day and helping that person a little bit. And then perhaps they could help me in return another day. And probably group relationships is far more important than people realize to build that relationship. And we are stronger together as people would say. Um, So on the, on the, on the topic of your longer aerobic runs, um, a lot of people are going to be listening to this thinking, well, that's for marathon runners. Um, I know that's probably a bit of a stereotype that if you're going to do like, not necessarily, I don't think you're talking about like this long, it's not really long tempo or long marathon piece, anything like this. It's just a long, pretty hard, solid day. Um, and, and so talk a little bit about that. And then maybe in the last two years, as you've seen improvements in some of your, your, PRs or PBs, maybe what sort of has contributed to that and how much of your life do you really dedicate to running? Um, and just so the, the the public and the people listening kind of get a sense of how much you really invest in this and perhaps what sort of training has led to your improvements and, and, and then just how you sort of evolve your whole life around running. Like I remember seeing on social media and it, it was probably a lighthearted joke, but also very serious when you were doing weird exercises with your husband, Will Lear in an Airbnb. And like, I, I, I would probably think even though that was funny and lighthearted, you were still pretty happy to get something done that day with Jim, Jim involved. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, to your first question, um, long aerobic runs are not just for marathoners. I am not a marathoner, um, whatsoever, but I, it's so important because it really anchors, it really anchors our training. And I, when I first moved to Boulder, it was very difficult for me to get these down. And I would be most nervous for these long runs where you're just starting out out the out the gates running hard and you get to, you get on pace and you're running hard the entire time and you finish and you go to the gym and lift and you're just totally toast all day um and that's really evolved for me now that like I'm most relaxed when we go out to do a long hard run because I know I have I'm working on mastering the skill I'm always getting better at it and I know I can handle it and it has really changed my aerobic capacity and I can handle more training. Um, and I know that it's always there to come back to, to sort of, uh, fill the tank back up, um, yeah. of my capacity. And, um, I really enjoy it. And I, I really think that it's been a big contributor to my success, um, that, and just pushing more, um, pushing my aerobic capacity and, um, you know, our training is pretty moderate. I, I think maybe, I don't know, once a month or once every six weeks, we do something that you'd want to tell somebody about, but yeah, it's more about consistency for us. And, um, I've been healthier than I've ever been in my professional career since I've been here. And I think that, um, being really consistent in training and not being a hero, um, and not, you know, not trying to crush people, not trying to crush myself, just being good day in and day out has led to greater performances because I'm not, I'm not racing in practice. I'm not, um, you know, hands and knees throwing up on the side of the track. I'm just laying bricks day by day by day by day. And, um, also my lifestyle has changed a little bit since I moved to Boulder. I, when I first came out of college, I, I studied geology in college and I really saw myself as like, yeah, you know, maybe I'll run through, uh, the 2016 trials and just see how that goes for a couple of years. I'm not really going to make any money at this. I'm not really worried about, uh, making this a career. I'm just going to do this for a couple of years and then I'll go, go back out and go into grad school and get a, geology job that was really my plan and then as as the years went by and I got better and better every year I thought like well hang on a minute I'm actually pretty good at this like I I wonder how long I can do it and in 2016 it was really like hey if I'm gonna do this I'm gonna um I'm gonna try to be one of the best in the world and it was just sort of a a mentality shift um I lived with Hassan Mead my first year out of college and as a pro and he would just make fun of me so much because I couldn't sit still Mm -hmm. I went from like having an incredibly tough course load my senior year of college where I was you know in my geology lab sometimes until 1 2 a.m trying to make up uh, on labs and assignments that I was, you know, falling behind on because I was traveling for track. And then I'd be at 6am practice, uh, you know, ready to run. And it was just so intense. And then when I got to, to be a pro, I was like, what do I 
do? You know, what do I fill my day with? I'm so bored. I feel like, you know, this is not meaningful. And, um, you know, I sort of relaxed over the years, over the years. And then when I moved to Boulder, um, you know, I, I got pretty good at it in 2016 Olympic year. Everybody's paying attention to athletics. Um, I'd had a, a surgery, a calf surgery, and I really had to do everything right. I didn't drink alcohol, um, from January or no, my surgery date was December 15th. I didn't drink alcohol from December 14th. I had, I think a beer in, uh, August or no, in July. And I didn't drink alcohol until the Olympic games and anything that I deemed as not helpful for recovery. And, um, you know, I just really hunkered down and that, that helped. And then when I moved to Boulder, I begun to see that, Hey, I have potential to be really good here. Um, and this can be a career. And when I signed with Under Armour, I, it was like reflected in, you know, in in my contract that like, Hey, if I, like I can make a career out of this, if I, if I really want to, I can. And so, um, getting here and, and seeing the way that Emma has developed herself and that, it isn't me being lazy if I'm laying on the couch all day. It's an investment into tomorrow's training. It's an investment into the recovery from today's training. And I just sort of picked up the that it's okay to rest. Yeah. And it, in fact, that's what I should be doing is resting. And that was a really big change for me. And um, I'd say I'm pretty good at being an athlete you know, everybody can show up for two hours a day to train. Yeah. Um, but what are you doing with the the other 22 hours? And I'm, I'm so dialed in. Like I, I just know that, um, I can show up to race day knowing that I executed all my training, but also I executed the other 22 hours a, a day. I mean, I minimum get nine hours of sleep every single night. I go to bed at the same time every night. I wake up at the same time every morning. I do my run at the same time. I kind of, uh, eat the same foods all the time because I know what my body needs and I know how my body feels when I'm eating properly and resting properly and drinking beet juice and, uh, you know, just doing all the little things, doing mobility, wearing my toe spreaders, going and hot tubbing if I'm feeling tight, yeah. um, getting my, my treatments. And, you know, it means saying no to a lot of things, um, but I, I feel like it's for purpose. You know, it's, uh, nope, sorry, you know, I can't, I can't do happy hour. Like, it just doesn't fit within my lifestyle. And um, it's just another great thing about being in Boulder is that, I've been able to surround myself in a community that supports that. And, you know, Will and I have been uh, making good friends that are, you know, in or not in the running community that just totally respect what what we do and um, we respect what they do. And they, you know, will come over and have dinner and play games with us at our house and, uh, you know, just really support us. And I think... um, you know, my husband's an athlete and that's good and bad sometimes when you're, if you're crushing it and he's not, or he's crushing it and I'm not like balancing that can be difficult. But I think one thing that we have found a balance at is, uh, you know, he, he was dealing with injury and got to watch me, um, the last two years go from 
pretty good to pretty dang good. Yeah. And he's seen the changes I've made and has sort of uh, committed himself to some of those changes too, which is great that like, you know, he's five years my senior and um, has done some pretty excellent things in his career. Um, and I have just begun to sort of catch up to those you know we laugh that like all right well we both have a Milrose win under our belts we both have a six at the world indoors in the 15 like we're you know we're pretty on par and um you know I, I he got to watch me set a ruthless goal of winning commonwealth games and achieve that and so um you know there's just no no stress and no tension of like ah, you know we really should be doing this or that, you know, we found our groove. We know what makes us feel good. We volunteer with a local high school that gets us out of the house and, uh, you know, helping young people with their athletic goals. And, uh, you know, that brings us meaning and my career and his career, um, just have really begun to take shape as something that do bring us happiness and do bring us meaning and are worthwhile to invest in, um, you know, and if that means that, you know, we miss, if we miss stuff, we miss stuff. But uh, it got a lot of years to be a normal person. <laughs> I know that's not super relatable, um, but it's just what it takes, uh, what it yeah. takes for me. I think it's like, a, one of the couple of things I picked up on was like, I, I love the idea of like, you're saying no to certain things, but you're, you're also saying yes to trying to achieve your goals and and that's really important and so it doesn't it doesn't need to be that other people are trying to win a world champs or a gold medal but certainly saying no to some things which might then enable them a bit closer to achieving their own goals is really important um you surrounding yourself with people and a community that support what you do is massively important they say things like you are you are the product of the five people you most hang around with and if you're if you're thinking right now about those five people and they don't have the same interests and goals and aspirations that you do well maybe it's time to make a change and and I think people can relate to that so I, I think most of what you said although in different ways most people can relate to and um one of the things I did want to talk to you about Aisha was tell us about your diet i know when we went to a few restaurants there were certain things you couldn't or choose choose not to eat was it your stomach or was it a special diet or um and then just how you cope with that and and i know i know you didn't kick up a fuss you just said oh this restaurant doesn't suit me i'll go to a different one yeah so i am uh pretty significantly lactose intolerant um which I have been my entire life when I was, um, when I was a kid, I really struggled, um, but sort of grew out of it, um, sort of maybe from like four to 18. I like, I ate a a reasonable amount of dairy, yogurt, cheese. Um, I could tolerate some ice cream. Um, and I was never able to, uh, fun fact, I've had one glass of milk in my entire life. Um, <laughs> and it was a grandmother cooking situation um, that I'm sure my grandmother will, will will never listen to this, but I can't recount the story. <laughs> but it was just like a, an ultimatum, glass of milk or finishing the meal type of deal. But uh, yeah, so I've got a significant dairy allergy, which is not that chill. And uh, when I turned, uh, 
when I turned pro, it just was getting in the way. Uh, too many bathroom stops, um, just feeling a lot of information or inflammation, not really recovering that well. I had a vitamin D deficiency. I was getting a lot of stress injuries and, um, we were working with a nutritionist who suggested I just cut it out for a little bit and see how that goes. At the time I was really only eating yogurt. Um, and cut that out and it was uh sort of miraculous for my system um and not only just like eating something that your body is can't process but just the inflammation that comes along with uh eating dairy just wasn't really working for me um and since then it's like super counterintuitive but i haven't developed any new stress injuries and i was getting uh my my last stress fracture was in January of 2013 and I fractured my navicular pretty significantly. Um, and that sort of reared its reared its head in, uh, at world champs in 2017, but again, not a new fracture, but yeah, so that's the, that is my only restriction. Um, and I don't even mess with it. I, um, just eat completely dairy free and, uh, you know, the people around me know that I'm dairy free and they don't make a fuss about it. And sometimes they'll speak up for me. You know, if we're, if we're getting into a big, uh, competition, my, and we're all together eating at a restaurant, I'll, I'll ask for, may I have the, this, can I please have it prepared dairy free? And sometimes my coach Joe Bossard will speak up and be like completely dairy free, no butter. We've got an allergy here, you know, no, I can see that. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's really my only restriction, but I also have the benefit of, um, really genuinely oddly liking vegetables. And it's, I've been like that my entire life. I blame my mom who, uh, when she was pregnant with me, uh, a, pretty much pescatarian, um, organic and, uh, worked for a record company in London, took the stairs every day and midway up, uh, there was a, a food stop where she got a vegetable patty every day. Um, and you know, for my whole life, I, uh, have opted into vegetables, which is pretty advantageous for being an athlete. So, um, I eat a lot of, uh, foods that you buy on the outside of the grocery store. I'm not like a big packaged food person. Um, if you ask me what my favorite food would be, I would probably tell you eggs because I eat three eggs pretty much every day. And, uh, I just try to keep it simple. I love to cook and, um, I definitely eat carbs. I definitely eat bread. I definitely eat gluten. I eat cookies some when I feel like eating cookies and, uh, yeah, I'm pretty uncomplicated. I have a, um, something that I, you know, am happy about and proud of is that I, I, I eat like a normal person and, uh, people who, uh, hang around me are pretty surprised by the volume of food that goes into my little body. And I like to keep it that way. And I think that, uh, uh, eating real food is, is something that a lot of distance runners, all distance runners should be doing and should be proud of doing. Yeah. I think it's one of those things. If you're, if you're, I would probably go as far to say if you cook fresh food and you exercise, you could probably eat as much quantity as you want. And like, probably not. It's when you're eating processed foods and takeaways and then you're not going to encourage that. But, um, 
lastly, I would just like to say, um, is there any, if you could kind of give any tips to like maybe a lot of the listeners or um, some marathon runners, some track runners. So I've had people contact me that are 16, 17 years of age. I've had adults and mothers, blah, blah, blah. Lots of people contacting me. If you could just sort of give a little bit of advice, um, whether it's um, blunt hard truth, you just need to work hard, or whether it's just tips on recovery, or whatever, just just anything small, big, whatever you want, just little bits of tips that might help these guys improve, and things you've learned that might help these guys improve. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that helps me um, be at the level that I'm at and and consistently improve is to really embrace the process and that I'm always focusing on my day-to-day. What can I do today um, correctly? What, how can I execute my day and how can I find joy in doing that? And then at, at the end, you, you know, you're, you're working up to a big race, you're working up to a goal, you're working up to a marathon, a track race, a, a district championship, whatever it may be, you are less focused on the outcome and more how, how can you show up for yourself? How can you make this work to your advantage? And, and how can you make it fun? And I think that that has been such a game changer for me to just sort of let go, uh, let go of the outcome and and focus on what I can do to make change for myself. And I really, truly enjoy training and really, truly enjoy what I do and the people around me. And I enjoy those times where I'm just absolutely grinding it out on the track, maybe hating it in the moment, but um, it just makes life easier when you when you're present and, you know, people are really keen on talking about mindfulness, but I think there is something to that. And I think you'll enjoy your life more. You'll enjoy the pursuit of your goals more. If you're really awake every day into what, what you're doing and focusing on putting, you know, one foot in front of the other in the best way that you possibly can. Amazing. Yeah. That's absolutely brilliant advice. And thank you very much for that, Aisha. Aisha will be doing some indoor races coming up, New Balance Games next week, and probably defending your title. Aisha won the 3,000 meter at Milrose Games last year. So hopefully Aisha goes on and has success there. And I would guarantee, based on her advice to you guys, I know that Aisha will be doing everything she can every day between now and Doha World Champs later this year to be very successful there, um, perhaps even winning a medal there. Um, so thank you very much, Aisha. Thanks for, thanks for coming on and talking thanks to the guys. Thanks for having me on.